Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine Podcast. It's the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this May 2013 episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on overlooked and underused sources. And I've got some great tips, tools, products, and websites for you. In our top tips segment, contributing editor Sonny Morton is going to be here to give us some tips for making discoveries at county courthouses. These all come from her article called Conquer the Courthouses, and it appears in the May-June 2013 issue of the magazine. Then in our 101 Best Websites list, I'm going to be taking you on a tour of Cindy's List. It's the ever-popular free website with links to all kinds of resources to help you in your family history research. Then in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Family Tree Magazine's online editor, Tyler Moss, will be here to give us some pointers from the Probing for Clues Power Course at Family Tree University. And finally, we'll check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. She's the publisher of Family Tree Magazine, and she's going to have some excellent resources to help us tap even more into those overlooked and underused sources. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is to get the genealogy news at the Genealogy Insider blog, and that's with Diane Haddad. We're going to kick off this episode with the news from the blogosphere, and here to give us the scoop is the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Diane, what's new and of interest that you've been reporting about on your blog? Well, I think one thing that um, that a lot of bloggers have been commenting on is the brand new relaunched FamilySearch.org website. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the big news at Roots Tech, wasn't it? Just so many changes happening really rapidly. And I know that you were uh, blogging about that, what, on about April 16th. Tell us what's new. What should we be looking for? Well, it looks a lot different. So if you haven't been there yet, people should definitely go check that out. It really has taken a visual approach. So there are um, many fewer (laughs) words on the home page. Rather, they're sort of trying to direct people with different icons. It's really pretty. Lots of pretty pictures on that slideshow that cycles through the images on the home page. It sort of tries to um, to get everything, all the different parts of FamilySearch.org. It tries to get those all clickable somewhere from this home page. Right. It kind of went from looking like more of a utility website to more of a a classic type of website that you would see across the board in terms of any kind of topic. And I think that really makes sense because if if you were pretty new to family history and you went to the old site, you might feel a little overwhelmed, but this one just looks friendly and appealing and just gives you a couple options to get you started to go right in. It does. And I think that people who maybe aren't as new to genealogy who've been using the old site are maybe missing some of their favorite features that used to be closer to the homepage. For example, before they had that search right on the homepage where you click a tab for records, a tab for family trees, and there was a tab for the library. And now those things are behind these um, clickable icons on the homepage. Right, which which makes them easy to find, but for those of us who are more uh, experienced and have been using it for a while, it's maybe an extra step, but uh, but not too bad. It certainly is an appealing-looking website. Right, right. Something that is also interesting to me is this live help link. They now have a, for different states, there's a, a phone number where you can call and actually talk to someone with your genealogy questions, and the wiki is there, too, behind live help, so that's not exactly live help, but maybe they were 
trying to use an appealing term because live help, that sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you won't go into some deep black hole of trying to find an answer, but it just sounds more like they're there and actively ready to help you. And the wiki is certainly a fantastic resource as far as getting help. That is a good resource. I think I might like to um, see it clarified a little bit more on that homepage. Also, if people are looking for information on the family search centers or um, family history centers, that's also behind the live help link. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And this fan chart is really nice. If you have a family tree on family search, you can generate a really nice looking fan chart of your family history. Yeah, and that's new, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is new. Um, the photo uploads are new. It's kind of neat if you click on that, you can just drag a picture from your computer onto the screen and it'll upload the photo to your family search account. It wasn't working when I tried it, but um, I imagine it would be really cool. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting with all these, these changes and certainly a brand new look. I know if you have been an experienced genealogist for a while and you've been working with the site, sometimes people, you know, get a little bit of frustrated with that, but they have a big job ahead of them because they're trying to reach a very wide audience and be helpful to everybody, right? Not right. just the experienced genealogists. Yeah, and that's really hard to do, to appeal to um, two different sets of needs. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's really nice if we can remind ourselves that uh, as much as we love doing our family history research, that there are folks who have yet to discover how wonderful that can be and how fulfilling it can be. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we'll all be willing to take one extra click if it means that more people will feel like this is more accessible to them. I think that's a big bonus. Right, right. And I'm sure that um, Family Search is listening to what people say about it and trying to refine and, and polish yeah. as much as they can. Exactly. Well, if you want to learn more about it, kind of see it in action, check out Diane's blog post. It's called NewFamilySearch.org, ads, photo, feature, and more. It's on April 16th. I'll have a link in the show notes to that blog post. And, of course, just check it out yourself, FamilySearch.org. Thanks so much, Diane. We will talk to you next month. Sure thing. County Courthouse can be both a fortress of confusion and a gold mine of genealogy. So you want to arm yourself with knowledge and a plan of attack to win your research battles. And that is exactly what Judy G. Russell and Sonny Jane Morton say in their new article. It's called Conquer the Courthouse. It appears in the May-June 2013 uh, issue of the magazine. And here to talk more about it is Sonny Jane Morton. Hi, Sonny. Hi there. It's always good to have you here, and this is particularly one topic that I think many people do go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't know, am I ready, should I go there, what am I going to get? There's a lot of confusion around the courthouse. There really is. I think for any of us that are not in the legal profession, a courthouse can be a really intimidating place, right? It's where the bad guys are, <laughs> it's where the records are that are maybe of the less happy parts of our lives, and then and it's filled with legal jargon and busy clerks. We, you know, we don't, there's not somebody waiting there graciously with a smile as we walk in the door to show us the way to the old records. You mean they're not there strictly for genealogists' support? (laughs) No, they're really not, and they might be the first to tell you so. So as long as we remember that, that they have lots of roles to fill, and this is not a family history library, uh, that's certainly a major point to remember as we try to conquer the courthouse ourselves. Well, and that's what you do in this article. Um, I know the two of you really put together a strategy here, kind of get us in the right 
mindset so we don't have to feel like we're going to get there and get yelled at or realize, oh my gosh, I'm looking for something that doesn't even exist here. Talk about some of these strategies. I know you've outlined, what, about five of them here? Um, What's one of the first things that we should do to make sure we can be successful when we do finally make the trip? Well, absolutely know what it is that you're there to look for. Sometimes I think we walk into um, any kind of uh, research facility without really knowing what's there for our family. So a little bit of advanced reconnaissance is a wonderful thing in our genealogy research. When it comes to the courthouse, that means knowing what kinds of things we're going to find at the courthouse. Vital records, estate records, tax records, county court records, and property records. All of those, if we've got at least a little bit of knowledge of those, we will want to know to go looking for those. Are those going to vary by courthouse? Should we be going to the courthouse website before we ever hit the pavement? You're getting me right on to the next part of the article. So once you've sort of realized what kinds of records exist, you'll want to understand that, of course, things are going to vary by county. And the first question is counties themselves are going to vary. Maybe we know that our ancestors lived in what's now Caldwell County. But maybe at the time they lived there, it wasn't Caldwell County. It was another county altogether, which would be known as its parent county because it later produced Caldwell County. So um, I recommend here, Judy and I recommend this wonderful website called the Atlas of Historical County Boundaries, which is done by the Newberry Library in Chicago. I go there all the time. It's a great site to help figure out a specific date what county your ancestors lived in and how things change. That way you won't go to the wrong courthouse. And they're saying, oh, well, sorry, we didn't even begin until 30 years after the time frame you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so next, once you finally, you're making sure that you're at the right courthouse, then the next thing you want to do is figure out, well, what, what exactly do they have? And as you said, it will vary a little bit from county to county. Some counties have not kept all of their records that they originally produced or never did produce the record you want in the time frame you want. Some counties had their courthouses burned down or flooded or lots of different tragedies, sometimes more than once. And the records you're looking for may not exist. The last thing is they may still exist, but they may have been archived off-site at a a different place, and it would be very disappointing to show up at the courthouse only to be told you need to be across the county at their little archive, which is only open on Tuesdays. So do you think that the courthouse website itself would be the place to answer some of those questions before you go? That's absolutely the place that I start. A lot of counties are very proactive on their websites these days. Each individual department, say the probate office or the um, health department where the birth certificates are, each may have its own individual website or be part of a larger county government website. And you can go find those online pretty easily. A couple of additional resources that are helpful to figure out what is available in a county is to consult the Family Tree Sourcebook. So that's arranged by location, and in each county you're going to see this beautiful little summary that says when deeds start, when marriage records start, where to find them, what's the contact information. Because even if you go to the county website, each department isn't necessarily talking to each other. So you do have to identify those individual categories of records to know, now I need to go look up in the probate department, and then they'll tell me specifically on the website what's currently still available or how to get access to it. Exactly. Or you may think you're looking for, well, I'm looking for a marriage record. 
records. So clearly I should be looking in vital records where the birth certificates are, but maybe the marriage records are with the probate court. Uh So that, that book will help you do that. The other place that I do recommend is to look for a state guide to research. There are a lot of really good, now that we don't get down to the county level very often, but a lot of really great state genealogical research guides have been published. So that's also an excellent place to learn overall where did they keep, you know, was there an orphan's court versus a probate court or things like that. So you know in the the culture of the state what kinds of things you're looking for. And then let's see here. We are needing to turn to some additional resources, and I'm thinking indexes. You mentioned those in the article, and really arming ourselves with indexes. What do you mean by that? Okay, so indexes are both great and terrible, and I'll <laughs> tell you why. And the, the, obviously, we've all used indexes. We know that they save us from hours and hours of long, re- tedious research, but they can also misdirect us if we use them improperly. So let me give you a couple of suggestions for using re- indexes, and by this, I mean both in indexes that you find online through Family Search or Ancestry or through various state and county levels. And you can find indexes all over the place. They're really great. They're not just all at Ancestry. Right, right. Um, but also offline indexes and what those might appear in published books or you might also find them, uh, of course, in the actual office. You're going to find those those deed indexes and things like that. The, I think that the most important thing to do when you find an index is not to type your ancestor's name in the database or to quickly look up your ancestor's surname. It's to look at the index itself. Hopefully, the index will tell you what it includes. Not every index includes every little bit of what you think it does. Maybe they only indexed the groom's surnames in the marriage index. Maybe they only indexed the grantors in the deed index. Maybe they only indexed the um, name of the person transferring a deed that would never mention the slave's name, and you're interested in the enslaved person. So you really want to get a sense of what that index contains and how thorough it is. Maybe there's some years missing. Maybe somebody ran out of steam and only got to 1912, and you need 1914. (laughs) And the original record, you know, goes up to 1914. But if that person only indexed to 1912, you're going to look in there and think your ancestor's not where they're supposed to be, which may not at all be the case. Well, you're really reminding us throughout this entire segment and going through this really comprehensive article that there are um, multiple steps to take. Not every search is as simple as entering a name into Ancestry. And it's really okay, because that really is part of the fun and the mystery. And you've broken it down, broken it down so clearly here in terms of defining that objective and and arming yourself with information, understanding that searching is both offline and online, and as just about every type of search is. Um, Certainly, everyone can come and read the article. It's called Conquer the Courthouse um, and get all the facts. But but before I let you go, I wanted to definitely um, kind of home in on this last section of the article where you talked about there were three books that you really recommended. I'd love for you to share those with our listeners. Great. So what I'm recommending are resources to help you once you find that deed or that marriage record or things like that. Now, marriage records are fairly straightforward, but sometimes a deed or another legal record gets a little more difficult to understand, and you might miss some clues if you're not careful, if you don't know to look at the names of the witnesses or informants to help figure out who these are, or if you're not sure of the laws of the time and so you're looking for a record that won't exist or you'll misinterpret it, the way to 
analyze what you find. Boy, that's another book in and of itself, or in this instance, three books. So I recommend a chapter in The Family Tree Problem Solver by Martha Hoffman Rising, which you can get through Shop Family Tree. I also absolutely recommend Christine Rose's book, Courthouse Research for Family Historians. She does a really excellent job of explaining how to understand, interpret, and then move forward on additional research for things you find. And then there's also, it's worth mentioning that um, The Source, A Guidebook of American Genealogy, which is a fantastic book, um, has uh, lots of information on court records, land records, and vital records. Lots of detail on that. So once you start to get into the nitty-gritty, they'll go to sources like that that will help you. Well, you have helped us, and you've provided so many details in this article. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and really giving us so many workable tips that we can use right away. Thanks, Sunny. You're welcome. There are so many genealogy websites on the web that it's kind of hard to know where to start. If you're looking for a comprehensive, categorized, and cross-referenced list of links that point you to genealogical research sites online, then Cindy's List is the place to start. It's one of our 101 best websites for tracing your family history, and you'll find it at cindyslist.com. That's C-Y-N-D-I-S-L-I-S-T dot com. Cindy's List has been a a trusted website for over 17 years, and it's absolutely free. To first get oriented when you arrive at the website, um, scroll down and just take a quick look at Cindy's stats. It'll really give you a sense of what's going on on this website. Total links, over 300,000 links to genealogy websites in over 190 categories. And there are nearly 1,800 websites that are uncategorized, just kind of fall between the cracks, but are worth taking a look at. And she keeps track of all of the new links that are coming up each and every day. You can browse those new links. You can even report if a link has been broken, if a website has changed, and submit a link to a website, perhaps your own genealogy website, if you'd like. There's a couple different ways to search Cindy's List. You can start by categories. What type of website are you looking for? If you click the categories link on the website, you'll find an alphabetical list and uh, some examples. There's a link to adoption websites. How about obituaries or occupations? Also biographies. If we click the biographies link, you'll find general resources, locality-specific information, publication software, and supplies. You get the idea. She also provides related categories, which gets you kind of thinking about which records kind of work in conjunction with other records. So as we're looking at biographies, you'll also have uh, related links to books and family Bibles and newspapers. You can also search for your own keywords to arrive quickly at what you want to look at. Up at the top, you'll find a Google custom search box. So if I type in the keywords Swedish research and click search, I'm going to get a variety of links that are buried within the Cindy's List website that will get us to Swedish research resources. And here I find Cindy's List, Sweden, general resources, how-to articles on Swedish court records for genealogical research, folklore in Sweden, all kinds of great information. So 
So you can browse by category or you can do this keyword search in the custom search box at the top of the page. Now, if all of a sudden you kind of feel like you're lost or, or have a few questions about how to use the site further, check out the FAQs. You'll find that link at the top of the website and here you're going to find the frequently asked questions about Cindy's List including information on how you can support Cindy's List. As I mentioned, this is a free website, and Cindy Howells has been working on this for over 17 years. She does this um, for free and through donations. So there is a donate button on the website. If we um, click on what's new, this is a great way to see by date the links that she has updated or added new. So when I click on what's new, it's it's now May of 2013, I can see that there were new links and updated links on May 4th, May 1st, April 29th. So this is a great way to kind of see what's new and fresh that you may not have come across before. And of course, you can always follow Cindy's List on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, and on Google+. There's also a subscription link, so you can go to Cindy's List blog, and Cindy blogs here about what's going on with her website, and this has an RSS feed, so that you can follow the blog in a favorite blog reader to see what's new and happening over at Cindy's List website. When it comes to online genealogy, Cindy's List really has been a trusted name for over 15 years. You can certainly Google for items, but when it really comes to a genealogy focused, Cindy's List is a wonderful place to go because sometimes we don't know exactly what it is we're asking for, but if we can browse through her categories, see the list of new websites that are coming online, it's a great way to dig quickly into those great genealogy resources. That's cindyslist.com. learn more about how to use probate records to find your ancestors? Well, then Family Tree University's power course called Probing for Clues is perfect for you. Here to tell us more about it is Family Tree Magazine's online editor, Tyler Moss. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me again. You know, probate records are such a tremendous source of genealogical information, and some family historians out there find them a little intimidating, I know. Um, but they, And they don't often realize that even a poor ancestor may have left behind a probate file that could be just packed with all kinds of valuable information. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you really, there's a variety of things that are packed into these probate records. You know, once, you know, someone passes away, you have these court-appointed individuals who, with no claim to the property, who take an inventory of the estate and give the courts a list of everything owned by and, you know, all the debts owed owed to the estate. And so all these documents kind of get taken by the records and put in these probate packets. Well, what can you find in probate packets? It varies by state and county and time period, but it's likely to contain a mix of some sort of documents that could include anything from, you know, wills to documentation of the appointment of executors or administrators to state inventories or lists of assets, copies of published death notices, documentation of asset distribution, including receipts from money or property, list of who bought various items at an estate sale, petitions for guardianship of children, lists of heirs and their relationships to the deceased, or even lists of creditors and accounts of debts. So, I mean, there's a lot of information packed in there. Exactly. You know, and I think sometimes we, we think about all those details and the fact that this is through the courts. And, um, you know, getting the death certificate is one thing, but going for the probate record, 
like I said, can kind of seem intimidating. In, in this course, are you really, do they really get walked through step by step how to figure out who do you go to contact to get this and what's it going to cost and how long is it going to take? What forms do you have to send? Those, those are really this kind of the intimidating parts of the whole process. Absolutely. And this power course is really designed, I think, to kind of hold your hand. It includes our um, video using probate records, which was um, recorded by expert Marion Pierre-Louis, and she talks about everything from what probate records are to the different types of probate records, how to find them, um, information you'll find in a typical probate record, how to make it easier to access the records, why probate records are critical to your genealogical success, and how to download the presentation and slides. All that stuff will be there for you for future reference as well. But what it also includes is a hour-long case study in which it's a video that kind of walks you through a probate record, and so you can kind of really see hands-on. It's not just telling you what to do. It's really the show and the tell. Um, and we also include a, an article from Family Tree Magazine titled Probing into Probate that is also gives you some kind of additional information just to kind of give you a little bit of a nudge there. Oh, terrific. Because that is an important point. It's like, you know, once you get that probate record and you think, oh, great, now I've done it. It's a whole different animal in terms of, of a record. And there are some key ways to go about using it, interpreting it, citing it as a source what are some of the things that have stood out to you in, in going through that course that you think that people will really be able to uh, make use of? Um, well, I just think that it, it, going back to the kind of showing versus telling aspect we were just talking about, I think what makes it particularly valuable is, okay, you know, enough courses will sit and tell you basics about what a record, a type of record is or how to find it or basic things you would find in it. But it's one thing to hear about that kind of stuff, like you said, and it's a whole other thing to sit through. I think this case study is kind of the key component, because mm-hmm. you can kind of walk through a whole probate process and really go more in-depth than you would and really see, I mean, since it's a video, you're going to see physical examples of everything. And I think what you can really draw from that is uh, much more relatable to your own experience than just kind of a list of tips and tricks kind of thing. It's it, Like I said, it really is genuinely hand-holding and trying to make this intimidating process as easy as possible. You can register at any time. You receive immediate access and you have it for seven days. So you can do it when you're ready to go for it. And I know that uh, Lisa also has put together some of the materials in this course as well. And, it, and it's really just terrific. Again, it's called Probing for Clues, Using Probate Records to Find Your Ancestors. If you haven't taken on probate records, you're really missing some wonderful gems that can help your research. Um, And every probate packet is different. So, Tyler, thank you so much for, for telling us more about it. And we'll look forward to talking to you next month. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, as we wrap up this May 2013 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, of course, we want to check in with the publisher, Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. This is fun. We get to do this in the same room together, and we are at the Ohio Genealogical Society Conference. It's a little odd actually looking you in the eye as we speak. Oh, but so great to do this face-to-face. I know. It's really nice. And, you know, we've been talking the whole episode about underutilized resources, but I want to totally switch gears because I know May is National Photo Month, correct? What have you got up your sleeve for that? Well, yes. um, Photos, obviously, are so important to family history. And so we have some great specials here um, that we've planned for shopfamilytree.com. You can check them out. Um, 
Maureen Taylor, who is our photo detective, has a book. Um, we'll have that on special. And then also we'll have some bundles of photo-related products that you can get at a great discount. Oh, you love the stuff that Maureen does. I mean, she really does turn it into not just browsing through your photos, but really taking a detective's eye. And, of course, her book is great. And then you said you have some bundles, some kits. So um, what, combining some different resources together? Yes. So those will be um, an extra discounted for the month of May, and it will be um, a just a variety of digital products and books and um, different resources that you can take advantage of with your family photos, preserving and the identification as well. Well, and talking about preserving, of course, we have the photos we're taking now and, of course, all the photos we've collected over the years. And I know that you've got some some neat kits coming down the pipeline that are going to help us actually tangibly do more archiving, right? Absolutely. I am so excited about this. This is a project that we've been working on for a long time to get this to come together. So those of you who have shopped for archival products before will know that it can be very confusing. There's so many different things and the terminology is kind of confusing. And so um, what we've done is with the help of our family archivist, Sunny Morton, um, we have handpicked out products that will help you do the project of preserving your family photos. And so we have a photo preservation kit that will be brand new to the store in May um, at the end of the month. And that will be available, all those supplies that you need in one convenient package with instructions to help you get going. Um, I'm really, really excited about it. I am too, because the hardest part is starting and boy the idea that you can get the kit and you know you've got all the pieces you're not going to launch into a project and then go oh wait a second i have to go look for buffered paper or whatever it is you're looking for really cool so we should be looking for these in the store at the end of may yes at the end of may and we'll also be doing a special giveaway so um during the month of may we'll be having a contest to give away one of these brand new photo preservation kits so you can go to our website to enter that contest and one person will be lucky enough to win that and be able to preserve your photos with all of the supplies that you'll need. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll have links in the show notes so that you can check all that out on the website. And as always, great to see you. Great to see you in person. And I will uh, be talking to you next month. Thanks. Yes. Great to see you too. so much for joining me for this May 2013 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and check out Sonny Morton's article in the May-June 2013 issue of Family Tree Magazine. It's called Conquer the Courthouse. You can order that issue in paper or an electronic file at shopfamilytree.com. And that issue also features my article. It's called 41 Free Genealogy Resources, which features free apps, forms, images, and software that you can use in your family history research. Next, head on over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast to find the show notes for this episode. And those are going to include information and links to everything that we talked about on today's episode, including a link to Cindy's list and the Probing for Clues Power Course at Family Tree University. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, it's genealogygems.com, where you can listen to the free Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available through iTunes. 
So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 